this Saturday night, Cactus Jack has the Sandman all to himself. Again, it's for the World Heavyweight title, but this time, it's a barbed wire matchup. I've talked about quite a few things the past several weeks right here on ECW television. Friendship, family, pride, and World Heavyweight Championships. Well, this Saturday night, they don't exactly apply. Because this Saturday night, Sandman, when the ropes go down and the barbed wire goes all around, we get to explore a very dark side of my personality. A side I'm not so proud of, but a side I can't deny. And very deep in my heart, Sandman, there lies a lust for blood that I can't deny. And there lies a lust for blood that you won't be able to run away from. Because we're not just talking man against man. We're talking man against thing. And in my life, Sandman, there's never made a thing that made me feel this sick. And this good at the same time as the wire that stands before you. In the memory of Eddie Gilbert. The fans remember they had to cut Cactus Jack down. My loving wife and my side hoping our man would still be alive. And I consider that match, Sandman, the greatest night in my life. You ask me, Sandman, they say, uneasy lies the hand. And where's the crown? Well, you're damn right. Because we better both lie awake at night. But the difference between you and me, Sandman, is I don't need 16 beers to step into the ring. I don't need 16 beers to lower my inhibitions because I don't have a damn one to begin with. So you tell me, Sandman, you tell me how bad do you really want to remain the world champion? And how bad do you want to remain on this earth? Because I'm coming after you with the worst intentions I've ever held. And if I can capture the heavyweight championship belt in the meantime, well, that's super de duper good just as well. Bang, bang! Pro Wrestling Reflection Podcast with your host, the professor, Chalbello Veracruz. Mr. Wonderful, Tommy Wonder. And I will take the powers of those that have no fear! 
and the prodigal one, JB, the queen, the queen of the crop. Now it's time to go back in time in the time machine. The American dream, too sweet. The living legend, Bruno Sammartino. Austin 316 says, I just whipped your ass. To be the man, you gotta beat the man. Woo! Look at this. July weekend reflection nice. Yes, I'm saying it early because you know, truth be told, when the PWR podcast here at the PWS Networks at Podbeam.com, when we record these shows, we record it a little bit earlier. But our executive producer extraordinaire, Big Ray Hernandez, always, you know, drops these episodes on the weekend. So you might hear this on the Hami Media Group on a Saturday, and of course, you will hear it on the PWS Networks at Podbeam.com on a Sunday. And for the PWC, Jimmy T, what the hell is wrong with you, man? I, I might not get to see this on your pod beam until next year in 2023, but that's neither here nor there. So anyway, happy 4th of July. Reflectionize, happy 4th of July to the Magnificent 7, Elite 8, Naughty 9, tr- Terrific 10, Essential 11, Tubular 12, and, you know, 4th of July, you know, it's going to mean something to a lot of Americans this this coming uh, 2020 deuce. Ain't it reflectionized? I, I mean, you know, I'm not going to get political here, but you know what? Half of America will be celebrating this country, and half of America will be shitting on this country. And you know what makes that special reflectionized? Because you have the freedom to do it. So whatever opinion you are on, that's your right. I'm not here to say you're right or you're wrong, but if you're not following the professor's opinion, then you're hundred percent wrong. And with that being said, welcome to the PWR podcast here at the PWS Network at Avim.com. Welcome to the Hamenites. Welcome to the PWCites. Welcome to the Israelites. Welcome to the Demites. Welcome to the Republites. Allites in re- in between. I am that magnanimous man that you all know and love. I am that scholarly man that you all know and love. And most importantly, I am that glorious man that you all know and love. The only objective man in this IWC, YWC podcast punditry. The only objective man in this political spectrum. Your friend of mine, the professor, Chabella Cruz, and I'm not here alone. I'm here with my brother from another mother. And like I said, we record this early in the week. And it will be, you know, and you will hear this on the weekends. But, truth be told, my co-conspirator extraordinaire, my partner extraordinaire, is going to be, he's going to be an AEW, he's going to break his AEW cherry. He's going to, he's not going to be a virgin anymore. He's going to love this organization because he has got the privilege 
of going to Detroit's Little Caesars Arena, and he's going to enjoy blood and guts. He's going to enjoy his favorite wrestler, Adam Cole. Maybe he won't be wrestling, maybe he'll be, but he'll be on TV. He's going to enjoy his friend extraordinaire, Christian, doing what he does best. But I'm not here to plug them. I'm here to plug my partner in crime, the liberal conservative, the conservative liberal, Mr. Wonderful himself, the Tommy Wonder. How are you doing, my friend? I don't know how to do the Undisputed Era thing, but they're fucking all hurt. I'll tell you but what. You got to You got to The E. You got to do the E. You got to. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Remember that. Yeah. Well, that's a real thing. Yeah, there's no mm-hmm. E. That's E. Oh, there's E. There you go. Close enough. That's the way you do it. You got to diagonal your other hand for it. The, the word on the street is Ke- Kevin Kelly. Fuck. Kyle O'Reilly's is a kayfabe injury because he got hit in the dick with a bat by Sting. Mm-hmm. Um, Bobby Fish supposedly coming back soon anyway. And of course, little bitty Adam Cole. Fuck. I'm excited because he wrestled on that damn train wreck of a fucking pay-per-view that you all love. And what's he do? Gets a new injury. Like everyone's saying, he came back too soon. How do you come back too soon from a shoulder injury and get a concussion and it's related? It's not. It's fucking botch many. You know what I discovered for the first time today? What is that? Alex Reynolds getting knocked out by private party and they just leave his carcass in the ring and wrestle around him for fucking five minutes. Never even heard about it. Until that was the old one. Yeah, that was the old one. Years ago. Yeah. Never even that. heard about it. How the fuck did he get knocked out from a double splash? You Listen, this is not a knock on AEW. Diatribe. The diatribe reflects Go ahead. AEW. This is a knock on inexperience and experienced people who didn't experience the shit the right way. The second that dude's arms went up, somebody, they're all picking on the referee and everything that I watch. Well, the referee's probably green as fucking grass, too. So, really, it should be the dude that dragged this ass out of the ring and said, hey, man, this dude's fucked up. Should have threw up the X. But that's the problem. This, this it's, it, it explains why the YWC... That, that was 2019-2020. Motherfuckers are more hurt now than they were then. The bottom line is, this is why the IWC, YWC loves AEW. It is a fucking indie promotion. It, it's run by a fucking Mark. Bing. That's a motherfucker. That, that's, everyone you ever wrestled for in the indies is a fucking Mark who's using his mom's credit cards to fund the shit, right? Or it's a wrestler who didn't make it, who's older now, who's a Mark for themselves. Bing. And then people get hurt. No one has a fucking clue, right? Other than when Mike Legacy landed on his fucking head and I landed on my head, luckily we had guys like Scott Demore and Mickey Doyle there who knew immediately that we were hurt because they put the pro and professional wrestler. This shit, and by the way, I, this is why I said I'm not picking on AEW. It's it's the younger generation of wrestlers. The only reason it doesn't happen in WWF is because there's someone watching who fucking knows the guy's hurt. There's you need no- a hug. Do, wait, do you need a hug? Do you want Tony Khan to hug you? Because you do I, need a hug right now. I cannot believe, A, that I watched it and saw it, and that was real. I'm like, this is fucking real life? And how did I not hear about it in 2019? <laughs> B, B with a two, I listened to 13 minutes of Jim Cornette, and shockingly, shockingly, because I'm not a fan of the guy, but I'm not a hater like everybody on the internet who dismisses everything he says because he's Jim Cornette, and he's old. Right? I got news for the motherfuckers. They're going to be old one day, too, if they're lucky. Otherwise, they're going to be dead. And that's the alternative. But 13 minutes of me agreeing with every fucking word that Jim Cornette said. Because 
I'm here to tell you again, not to pick on them. People like them. God bless them. You, you could show me the best match they've ever had in their entire fucking life, and I would still go, I don't see it. I have no idea how the Young Bucks are popular at all. They like all the people coming after Adam Cole lately. They're fucking mm-hmm. smaller, and they're worse. Uh-oh. At least Adam Cole has charisma, but I digress. Going back, Jim Cornette, this is the second thing I'm stunned by. Thought it was part of the fucking match. He thought it was a rib. He thought they were doing a comedy spot. So when the guy on his show was like, no, dude, he was knocked out. He's like, are you ribbing me? He's like, no, and he's like, if he's fucking knocked out and they kept wrestling. He thought it was part, like a spot. So yeah. that tells you. The, but the, this is old news. That, this is old news. We we are already moved on. No, no, it's related to me saying all three undisputed era guys are hurt. CM drunk ass is hurt. Daniel Bryan's hurt. Apparently Moxie's hurt, but they're told him to retract and say he's not hurt. You know, it's just a stick. He tells everyone's got a concussion after every match. No, he fucking didn't. He did it this time. They're like, dude, stop. We need you Wednesday. Blood and guts. You're going to wrestle with a concussion. So the point is, as much as Tony Khan loves these fuckers, we all saw the hug. The hug mm-hmm. heard around the world. He he's not looking after their well being, man. How the fuck? How is it within six months of not being in the WWF where you haven't been hurt for years and Adam Cole never, and all these guys are hurt now? It's because it's what's the promotion that fucking Zack Ryder was the champion of that Moxley uh, is N- now NWA GCW GCX or some shit Game Changer Wrestling. They might as well call AEW that because he's someone's gonna fucking die on TBS one day, right? Fucking, it's not gonna happen on TNT because it's gonna be recorded and they're gonna fucking not air it. But it's gonna happen. I hope it doesn't happen Wednesday. I can tell you that because, dude, and I'm saying this out of concern, not out of fucking. Like I was telling Travis Travis Volts, I said, look, man, you have AEW where every match looks the same, like a pinball machine or a car crash. And then you got WWE where every match looks the same, like a formula where everybody fucking does the same shit, but they're safe, right? So pick your poison. Pick which one's putting you to sleep. Either the no fucking uh, logic. Formula and then balls to the wall, put everything into also the a match. Formula. Don't, don't yeah. kid yourself. AEW is also a formula. Yeah. Chris Jericho said, someone needs to be in the back going, hold on, man. We're doing that in our match because you will watch a Dynamite episode where every single match has the same finish. And it's of been course. that way more than once. So that, that's, that's been going. That's been going on for twenty years. TW. I'm just being WWE. real. It happened in ROH. It's happened in Impact. WWE NXT. They've it's done this. The generational WWE. thing. WWE. Has but been, so it doesn't happen. But I gave you the diatribe part deuce from last week to this week. So now you had a different subject. So I can't wait for part three. I wasn't even. And the next it. time we do the PWR, he's going to give you his. Oh, and by the way, what? It's early, but it's by the time people hear this. It's smack dab in the middle of Fourth of July weekend, so it's spot on. Of course, it's Sunday. But again, July, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, we get drunk. It's good. Yes. It's perfect. I We're can't wait. Wake up I... over Sunday morning from Saturday's parties and go. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I don't work tomorrow. Let's get fucked right. up. Again. Thanks, Professor. No problem. But and I can't wait for part three on the next PWR podcast. Well, he will give you his experience at I the Little Caesars Arena. I can't wait for that. What's my That's favorite? of all time right and that's why i can't i can't wait for that part three next week oh, on the pwr out. podcast what, what, what? let's see how far the, how well the professor knows tommy wonder i don't mean my favorite match that's steamboat savage i mean of what's course. my favorite gimmick match my favorite pay-per-view is the royal rumble i'll just get that out of the way mm-hmm. but what is my favorite match i've already talked about the guys war games oh, you love the war Rico. games 
and I get to see the fucking watered-down version of War Games. I didn't even know that when I was going. That's awesome. Of course. They, they wanted to they wanted to make sure that you your experience, your AEW experience is mwah, par excellence. But we're not talking about AEW. We're not talking about AEW. We're not talking about 2022. I want you all to know I could have waited and paid $3 a ticket, but I paid $90 for my ticket plus tax because I do want AEW succeed. I do want to see it live. Hopefully Cesaro is going to be there. And I, that's what my sign's going to say. One side's going to say PWR, Pro Wrestling. He's going to be there. Don't worry about the it. The other side's going to say Cesaro section. That's what I'm going to write on my shit. He, he, no, you might, you might have to, you have to change it to Claudio section. But neither here nor there. We're gonna. That's the present. We talk about the past because this is the PWR podcast, and we already went ten minutes over on the present. We got to now do another hour of the past. And with that being said, TW. And for the Reflection Knights, and for the Magnificent Seven, and all that points in between, the Alexites, the Syriites, all the ites, we are going to go back in the time machines. We're going to go back in the DeLorean to 1995, June 13th of 1995. And I figured, TW, we go episodic. And why not go episodic with an organization that, again, you've always had you had reservations about. You've had stereotypical reservations about, which is okay. I I get you. You know, it was not everybody's cup of tea. But extreme championship wrestling. We did this spotlight a couple of weeks ago, Reflection Nights, on the ECW Heavyweight Championships. And I thought it would be apropos to celebrate an ECW hardcore television episode from June of 1995, TW. And, you know, the funny thing, TW, with this particular episode, it was short. It was short, but I want to say this for, for TW, who might have looked at it and said, what the hell is this clusterfuck? What is all this condensed bullshit that I'm looking at? And I'm going to explain it to TW, and I'm going to explain it to Reflectionites that probably didn't get ECW a chance in the, in the mid-90s, like the professor when he found ECW and and was drawn to it and was hooked to it. He needed ECW. If it wasn't for ECW, I, I'm going to say it again. If it wasn't for ECW, I might, I might not be doing this podcast. I might never have met Tommy Wonder. That's the truth. I might have just kind of like gave up on wrestling. I would have, I probably would have just been a lapsed fan watching the, the Monday Night Wars and then I would just stop after, you know, WCW went out of business. But neither here nor there. But TW... This particular episode of ECW, I'm going to defend it because, as you will say, and probably I will agree with it, I'm a little bit biased towards it. So <laughs> everything is, is perfect, in my humble opinion. But with this particular episode, Reflectionites, everything happened in the ECW arena. But if you really look at it, TW, Paul Heyman, that evil genius, he might have not got the checks cleared, but he's an evil genius in writing. He's an evil genius in storyline development. He's an evil genius of trying to, like, put little nuances into certain things. Did you notice, TW, that he was doing multiple storylines all throughout this particular episode? And it all connected. So let me, let, let's delve into the first connecting storyline. Now, the current, the current, like, let's say, person chasing the brass ring of the, of the ECW World Heavyweight Championship was Cactus Jack. He was going to, from the ECW Arena, TW, to Fort Lauderdale, Florida, to Tampa, Florida, to uh, 
New Jersey, and all points in between chasing the Sandman, who was the current ECW champion. Now, that's one part of the storyline. He's chasing something that he never had at that point. He never had a World Heavyweight Championship. And a lot of people, you know, like you said, if you get a heavyweight championship, no matter what organization, you respect it. So, you know, I was rooting for Cactus Jack to get that brass ring that he was so alluded to that, you know, it was it was like a shooting star. He, he was almost there to touch it, but he couldn't. But there was this roadblock. It was kind of a it was kind of a weird roadblock. And that would be the former ECW heavyweight champion, the franchise Shane Douglas. Why is it a weird uh, conundrum, Reflectionites? Because during this episode, it was hampered into our brains that there was this bond. There was this weird bond of friendship. There was this weird bond of brotherhood between Cactus Jack and the franchise Shane Douglas. And TW, if you notice this, franchise might fuck with Cactus Jack. He might uh, prevent him from becoming the heavyweight champion, which he did in one of the uh, his chances. But he never touched him. Never hurt. He never put a hand on him. He couldn't, because that was his brother, supposedly. That was his blood brother. Who put his hands on on Cactus Jack? But Dean Malenko, Chris Benoit, the triple threat, the original triple threat, mind you. But neither here nor there. So T.W. That was with Douglas. I know. I know Malenko attacked him, but I didn't know he was with Douglas. Yes, the original triple threat for for uh, ECW purposes was actually Douglas. Benoit and Malenko. They were the original triple threat before it got, you know, improved with Candido and Bigelow in 97. But go ahead, T.W. Well, I'm just saying, man. I'm just saying. You just fucking say improved? It improved. It did. That was the better. Are you telling me? Wait, we got two vanilla midgets and you got the beast from the east and no gimmicks needed. That was a better triple threat than the original one. Double murder, homicide aside, you put Benoit's face next to Bam Bam Bigelow's face, and Benoit's getting picked as the better guy every time, and the other two are a wash. Okay, it's a push. All right. But what say you about this storyline conundrum that I'm giving you? Because that's actually three multiple storylines happening week on a week-by-week basis. It was, Does it, it was, confuse you? Does it, it intrigue you? Using because the show came on. It's, here's the thing that confused me the most. Like, as much as I hate four commentators at one time, one commentator at a time is lonely. Like, it it almost felt like Joey Styles was a reporter, not a commentator, because of the way he was describing everything going on. It it felt like, what do you call it, ambulance chasing journalism, right? I didn't even feel like he was sitting down at a desk. I felt like he was running. But he was recapping, so clearly he was sitting down when he was talking. But it was well that that was the original. Wait, wait. Let me just say this: that's the original formula of ECW. That was to separate them from the Vince McMahon leading and then having two on his sides. That's the original form. That's to I break get, away from the Bischoff. Like and I, I like him a lot. No, no, no. I'm, I'm just saying, but, but this episode, not, okay, not the whole because this is that's, the first time that's actually open. basically the 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 the. the that was most of the ECW years. 80% right. of all but the ECW he, years, it was Joey Styles alone before Joe Gertner and no, Cyrus did every it. Every other time I heard, it felt like he was at a desk and he was excited. Like he was over mm-hmm. the top, whatever, but it felt like commentating. This okay. sounded like, but again, he was recapping and it was done like so, like, 
I don't want to say hodgepodge because that's kind of what it was, but it sounds, I don't know. It, it was, it was a bunch of highlights. It wasn't just one thing. Like it mm-hmm. was a bunch of incidents all strewn together, but that's why it was weird. Cause it sounds like he's there. Like how it felt, felt like to me listening was like, you know how the, the whole venue runs to the gate or the barricade. Mm-hmm. And then there's that empty spot where fans used to be. It felt like he was standing there looking in the ring over the crowd going, oh, and then Shane Douglas, Dean Malenko comes in. And and I, it sounded like he called him the, the what did he call Dean Malenko? The something machine. Uh, Science machine? The, the submission machine. Is that what he was? I thought that was Taz. No, oh, well, Taz, you know, that, that was before he became the human suplex machine. And then the, the gimmick was more refined because Malenko left the, the WCW. Submission, the submission yeah. machine? Okay. Mm-hmm. Or the submission I expert. Because he, he wasn't known as the man of a thousand holes yet. That was WCW more. Which Jericho's 1004. But uh, mm-hmm. he's better. But uh, it's weird because in all those highlights, I, I, maybe they went to the intro, but there, yeah, it was the intro after all the Cactus Jack stuff. There's a, there's a clip of Taz... Um, and I wanted to say this for you specifically. He does the belly-to-belly overhead suplex on Too Cold. Okay. And Too Cold's wearing tights, not 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 tights, but brief tights, you know what I mean, not pants. And, like, he looked like a rat. Too Cold just always had shitty hair. That's his problem. I think this would held him back. But anyways, yeah. Uh, so when I saw that, I thought, because Flash Funk is a, I hate to call him that, I don't know what the fuck I did, but Too Cold is, he's a bigger guy. Not the tallest of guys, but he's a bigger dude, right? So mm-hmm. when I saw Taz do that, again, this goes to show you that WWE ring being 20 by 20, I don't think a lot of people realize that the WWF has a bigger ring than everybody else, right? And that's why people look smaller in it than they do in EC. Remember how big Brett looked in WCW when he got down there? I don't know if you remember. Like He'd come out and he's like, fuck, it was two-thirds of the ring up. It's because you're used to seeing him in the 20 by 20. Um, which is weird that they would do that to make guys look smaller instead of bigger. You think it would be the other way around that WWF would use a, a smaller ring. But anyway, that's the moment right there. I've never really been a big Taz guy. I don't like him on commentating because, because here's why: mm-hmm. it's not that he's not good commentating, and he's probably better in AEW than he was in WWE or in Impact. But when he commentates, at least when I watch him more regularly. He still tries to portray himself as a badass, and I don't like that. Like, I'd rather the coward Bobby Heenan making jokes than the heel commentator acting like he beat everybody. Because if you could, you would be wrestling, not commentating. That's what I mean by I didn't like. I don't that. think he's portraying himself as a badass anymore. No, he hasn't done that in years. He doesn't anymore, but he did earlier on, and then he got. <coughs> he's, he's definitely better at it. There's a reason he's done it for three different organizations. Granted, somebody would tell you it's because two of them don't have him working for him no more. But I, I, he's he's serviceable, and he's part of a fucking four-man booth that I hate. Not the booth, but the fact that there's four guys. But when I saw Taz do that suplex, I, I remembered something. I used to see Taz in either commercials for ECW or in the magazine, stuff like that. And and then when the next match that we're going to talk about, um, I, I saw uh, Rocco Rock. And I thought, you know what? They may not have been stars in WWF, right? They never really ascended to the moon like some guys. But they were the right guys at the right time for that place. And this was the core people, of the misfits. That's what it was. Right now, 26 years later, 
People are going to talk about Taz and Rocco Rock and and uh, what's the other one's name? Johnny Grunge. Johnny Grunge. People are going to talk about those guys forever. Mikey Whipwreck, Sandman, um, guys who may never ever have blown up elsewhere, but they were fucking stars there. And and I looked at Rocco Rock and and Johnny Grunge, and obviously you know what's coming next. And I just think, fuck, man, those guys died young, but I bet you they fucking lived when they were doing that. Like they. They lived mm-hmm. for it. And so I'm going to start looking at Taz through the lens of there as opposed to overall because it's well, not his fault. Let, me, sure let, me, just say, let me just say this. Let me just mm-hmm. say this because I understand your diatribe towards Taz and what he's done now. But for the purposes of this episode, Reflectionites, June of 95 was a pivotal moment for Taz. In the beginning of 1995 TW, that wasn't the Taz. Right. That was on ECW TV. That was he was a Taz maniac. Right. He had longer hair. Mm-hmm. He wrestled barefoot. All this stuff. He was, you know, he was the caveman Taz maniac doing his shit with the suplexes. He said, I I can't do this anymore. I'm in ECW. This is extreme. I'm just gonna be myself. He had an interview. You didn't see it here on this episode, but he had an interview on ECW TV. He said, My name is Paul Sinercha. I'm a badass. This is me. I'm just giving you me. I'm the ta- I'm I'm Taz, not the Tasmaniac. But he just, he just, he said his name, Paul Sinertra, because I remember that very. Well. He said it. Joey said it. Uh, Paul Heyman said it. They they wanted to put Taz in a different light in ECW because the Tasmaniac, in his in, in Taz's opinion, that was WWE. That was cartoonish. He was trying to appease the cartoonish fans. But the problem is, T.W., you're in Philly. You're in South Philadelphia. There you go. You're in South Philadelphia with those hardcore fans, and they kind of, let's just say, dealt with the gimmick, but they didn't respect the gimmick. They they weren't totally, I'm not going to say they weren't, but they weren't totally, like, invested in the Tasmaniac. They wouldn't, they wouldn't believe the Tasmaniac to be a heavyweight champion. He had great matches as the Tasmaniac, don't get me wrong. He was an ECW tag team champion with Kevin Sullivan. Don't get me wrong, Reflection Nights. I have the receipts. I know the shit. But for Tasmaniac to become the main eventer, for Tasmaniac to become the – for Vince McMahon to call Paul Sinertia TW, it wasn't going to be because he was the Tasmaniac. He had to change his gimmick. And he became the human suplex machine. He became the shoot-fighting, kick-ass son of a bitch. FTW. Want, yeah, and FTW. But I just wanted to give you that with your diatribe. But I just wanted to explain it for this episode. Fun fact. I forgot all about the Tasmaniac with all that fur and everything. I was referring to the guy you just described right there. Just Taz, a human suplex machine. And, and again, he's one of the guys that wrestled in Detroit. right? The very first local show I ever went to was Taz versus Sabu in Dearborn, Michigan at Fortson High School. And even though he's not larger than life in stature, he still looked like a star to me then. Like, like I had heard of Sabu. Again, my feelings about Sabu were way different because I, I was around him a lot, right? Like, mm-hmm. he's another guy that would never be like, oh, I remember Tommy, or maybe he would. I don't know. We never wrestled each other, but he was in the same building with me quite often because he's from here, right? So... Um, but, but Taz, 
I, I, the reason I started even talking about it is because I feel like I never really ever had anything nice to say about Saz. But he, dude, the, uh, that guy and Sabu, I think Sabu achieved success other places than than ECW. Like I don't mean Japan. I mean he was he had he his traveled all over the world. He made a I, reputation within the indie culture. So Sabu is an icon in the indie. Right wrestling scene but so also a, i think there's people who are wwe fans who saw him for the first time who still remember him and people in in, in wcw see so wrestled there a couple times and then impact or whatever so i think mm-hmm. i would just say sabu was more successful than taz in, in the big picture right um but debatable Taz was ecw that like 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 rvd left sabu left all these guys left Taz didn't really leave until it was done, and then he was WWE, right? So, but but for me, I just felt like you know what? I don't want it to come across like I think the guy offered nothing to the business. He just he wasn't someone I was into. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. but again, I'm more into the cocky guys. You know, like a guy who's in the next match on this this fucking compressed show, and it didn't dawn on me till today that damn Stevie Richards. Wait, wait, wait. Wants to be Shawn Michaels. No, I, I got you, but hold hold on, hold your right. Stevie Richards, because I I want to go back, because I want to give a lot of credence for the reflection nights with this particular episode, and because of the timing of this episode, because with Shane, I, I want to go back to Shane and Cactus Jack, because that was an intriguing storyline in itself, but there's another reason why this is intriguing in in the sense of behind the scenes and in you know for the. Uh, one nine hundred uh, hotline guys. People knew that Shane Douglas was not. Let's say was working on a handshake deal because this is June of nineteen ninety five. Tw. He le- he eventually would leave for the WWF in a couple of weeks, maybe in July, maybe in August, to start the new gimmick in WWF as Dean Douglas. So maybe that people did not notice that he was leaving. But of course, again, being if you were a fan of ECW, you was you know you was on the nine hundred numbers. You was a South Philadelphia born and raised hardcore fan, so you knew even before Shane Douglas was going to leak it out, he was on borrowed time in ECW TW. So you knew that you know he was he wasn't going to be there. But this is an intriguing storyline for Cactus Jack to chase Sandman, for his best friend to fuck him over, and then you have all this and. You introduce, we, we can't forget this man, one of the greatest referees, and again, another reason why I wanted to be a referee, to do some something like this. But Philadelphia, you know, licensed official, Bill Alfonso, makes his appearance in the ECW arena during the summer of 1995, TW. But I want to focus on Shane Douglas. Again, we talked about this on the ECW Heavyweight Championship Spotlight. You gave credence to Shane Douglas because you said, I didn't know about ECW, but I heard about Shane Douglas. Anything about ECW was about the franchise, the franchise, the franchise. And you're right. I ain't disputing that. When I was watching this and then I saw the vignettes of Dean Douglas, this is my first reaction. (laughs) Why? 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 TW, you always say make... Lemonade out of lemons. Franchise, try to do it. And I cannot say he didn't have the passion. I Maybe you might have a different take on it if you saw it. But for me as a fan, 
and knowing what what he did, the man who dropped the fucking NWA belt to the ground, the man who brought, who ignited the flame of ECW, turns around and does a vignette where he takes his nails and scratches a chalkboard. You want you want to know what I did, TW? I'm going to do it again. I'm going to do instant replay. This is my this is my uh, reaction reflectionites. If you see this on the YouTube's, God damn it. <laughs> What say you, T.W., about the I, franchise? I'm trying to, find, trying to find it. What are you trying to find? So, recently, I put up one of my Facebook memories of 2018, where Rico, one half of Los Rudos, brought me a wrestling magazine and said, this is the one we rated the 15th tag team in the world. And I was like, what are you talking about, right? And I'm thinking he meant, like, MTW or Great Lakes Wrestling or something like that, right? Okay. So so he hands it to me, and I read it, and there's one other thing that jumped out for me. Of course, I can't find a damn thing. I just, I just got a damn notification about it today. Someone, let me see. I mean, I'm, I got now that I brought it up, I got to do it. So uh, where you at, Keith Respis? Where, where you at? Where you at? Where you at? Where you at? Man. What are you doing, man? You gotta, you know, the the. But anyway, long thumb. story short, long story okay. short, um, he gives me this magazine, and we're the fifteenth rated tag team in the world, and it says at the bottom, MTW Tag Champs. Every other okay. team in the top fourteen was WWF or WCW or ECW tag teams, right? It was either okay. ECW champs. So I'm like, how the fuck did that happen? But John McFarland's a photographer around here. He had an in with these magazines for sending pictures in. So I think he got them to put us in the magazine. But the other thing that stood out to me that actually blew my mind. Okay. They had top 15 most popular wrestlers, top 15 most hated wrestlers. Do you know who was the number six most hated wrestler in 1996? Uh, you? Dean Douglas. Oh. Oh, I'm about to say, I was, you're talking about your tag team. I'm like, okay, maybe Los Rudos was... clearly made... Dude, if I was number fucking six most hated wrestler, I would be talking about that way before number 15 tag team. Okay. So, like, they had top wrestler, top tag team. Then they had mm -hmm. most popular wrestler, most hated Yeah, I remember those. Wrestler. Dean Douglas was the sixth... Because I feel like he was there for five minutes, right? I mm -hmm. do remember him being there. And unlike you, obviously you had way more invested in Shane Douglas in ECW, the franchise than I did, but I had that UWF, that dudes with attitudes. I had a, an affinity for Shane Douglas. When I saw him as Dean Douglas, once again, I was just happy the guy made it there. I was like, finally, because he was someone, again, and, and it's still the lens that I have, some of these WWE guys that went to AEW, they don't need to ever go back to WWE to be successful. They're, they're good. But some of these AEW guys, I look forward to the day, and even though I fucking went off on them last year or last week, when someone like Hangman Page goes to WWE and is successful. Like, don't go there and be shit. But, like, I, for all the shit talk they all do, to me, that's the measuring stick. If you can make it there, you can make it anywhere. Remember? New York, New York, right? Mm -hmm. So when I saw Dean Douglas, two things. He's the first of at least three wrestlers who had to change their name because someone else had their name there, right? At least three. Right. Dean Douglas, do you know who the second one was? Steve Regal had to become William Regal because of Steve Austin. And then mm -hmm. the third guy was because of the same guy that Shane Douglas had to change his name of, 
Shane Helms had to become Gregory Helms because they already had a Shane. So Dean Douglas, if you're told that you can't be Shane Douglas, alliteration is key. Dean Douglas, two Ds, he made the best of it. The only issue I did have with it is even then in 96 or whatever year it was he went there, it felt like he just took Lenny Poffo's genius gimmick, right? Like it was like a retread. I would have rather than be something else. But him and Razor Ramon fulfilled, you know, or whatever the hell, the Shawn Michaels smile, all that shit. He was involved in a lot of stuff. He wasn't there long, though, was he? No, just One a couple year? of months. And That's- a former Intercontinental Champion and then left and came back to ECW 96, like February. So he left in 95, came back in 96? Mm-hmm. Wow. Was there a falling out? I don't remember. The, it was kind of half a falling out and half of something personal that he just, you know, again, when you're in the WWF, you're wrestling 350 days out of the year. So, and of course, ECW ain't doing that. So you got to, you got to, the shoot interview I watched with him last week was, about, which is why it's surprising. He just told me Benoit and Malenko were the original triple threat. They fucked him. Like he talked about it. Like Dean Malenko used his real name to check in to the hotel in Connecticut when someone called him to tell him that Benoit and uh, who were the four that went together? Benoit, Malenko, Saturn, and Eddie. He called Dean Malenko. Dean Malenko. Yeah, Dean. Hey, maybe it was Dean Malenko as a tribute. Fucking to Dean Malenko. Dean Douglas. Um, mm-hmm. but no, Dean, it wasn't. Dean, Dean, he said him and Dean Malenko were best friends. Like, they were like, they told each other everything. And he called Dean and said, bro. I got a stooge telling me you guys are in Connecticut. He goes, no, bro, I'm right here with my wife, right here, blah, 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 blah. And then he called that guy back and said, is Dean Douglas there? And he goes, he's not on here. He goes, what about Shelly, blah, 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 like a Jewish name? He yes. Says, he's here. And it was Dean. So so he was supposed to be with them when the radicals, you know, became whatever the fuck they were. What, what were they called? The, no, you're right. They became the radicals in WWE. They were the radicals, the dirty rascals or some shit. And no, they, they became, were the revolution. Revolution, WCW, and then Radicals in so, WWE. But anyway, he he was the guy that had the end with the WWE. So there obviously wasn't any bad blood because he still had a contact in in the WWF, and he was just going to leave WCW and go to WWF. But they were all doing it together because he said, if we go individually, we have no power. But if we go together, he called there, and this is what he said. He called. His guy, I don't know if it was Laurinaitis back then, which would be funny because that's his tag partner. He called him and said, hey, is there any interest there? And he was told, Vince will take all of you, like every single one of you. He'll sign all, which would explain mm-hmm. why they took Saturn. God bless him. But him and Malenko were not WWE, you know. Ready. Ready. Not necessarily ready, but they weren't typical WWE guys. Eddie and Ray, well, Ray came separate, but Eddie and Benoit, that's, dude. That's they're ready. You know what I mean? Like they got mm-hmm. families or at least re- heart foundation relation with, with Benoit. And then you got um, Eddie's dynasty of a family. But, but anyway, yeah. So Dean Malenko made the best of it so much so that in the few months he was there, he was the number six. Granted, it's a work, but number six, they didn't just fill him in at 15. Like they did those Rudos, Rudos to have 15 spots. He was the sixth most hated guy in that year. And that's, that's him I- making the most of it. I don't even know if he deserves the sixth slot, even for that character. Maybe what he did with Shawn Michaels. Professor was Shawn Michaels. Uh, 
Yeah, I, I, I so get you with that. The whole thing, the, the cup of coffee he had there was with Sean and Razor and maybe yeah. one other guy. So, but that's good. I mean, that's oh. that, that's a professional. No, but like I said, when I saw the Dean Douglas character in 95, and I was like, damn, this, this is the franchise. This is the man that was calling out Ric Flair all the time. I, again, I know the reality. He wasn't going to call out Ric Flair in WWF television. I know this DW. But when right. you put on a stupid gimmick, and like you said, it's a genius reject gimmick, but then they made him a professor that wrestles. No, it just doesn't work. This is where Vince McMahon had to finally accept the the ridiculousness of his like uh, Alzheimer's catching up on him in, in 96. Well, I don't know if his Alzheimer's is really get, catching up to him in 2020. Deuce. That's neither here nor there reflection. That's, that's <laughs> a personal opinion of mine. But... I just wanted to put it out there for this particular episode, TW, that Shane Douglas is trying to carry this multi-dimensional, this is almost multi-universe uh, kind of storylines with two other wrestlers, the Sandman and Cactus Jack. Because again, Cactus Jack, this is '95. He's he's there not for not for almost another, let's say, eight months before he takes the jump. To Connecticut, and of course, Sandman is an ECW guy. He doesn't leave until 1998, but that's neither here nor there. But TW, that synergy of mul- of the multi-dimensional angles, you were confused, but now that I explained it a little bit, is it intriguing t- storylines? Is it intriguing entertainment? Is it intriguing television for you, or you just need a basic two guys or a two tag teams? Do a six-month angle. What say you, TW, of your traditional formula? Or do you not like this multidimensional kind of experiment that Paul Heyman was doing? I feel like like the way I felt watching one episode like this, because this was just one segment, basically. It was 39 minutes of one segment. Mm -hmm. It's just like a baton. It started off with, well, the first part was just a recap. But then you had one match that bled into the second match, and that was it. Then it was done. And I feel like the way I felt after one time watching this, there's no way I could keep up with it every week because it's almost ADD wrestling, right? But the opposite of that is the formula for superstars or or um, uh, challenge was was also – Boring the other way, right? Like, mm-hmm. this is ADD. This is, I, I would liken watching uh, Superstars and Challenge to watching baseball. You put it on your TV, and you do other shit, and it's just on. Whereas this, you would have to pay attention, and you're missing something. I actually had to rewind it, like, three or four times, because I'm like, how the fuck did Tommy Dreamer get in the ring? I'm like, where the hell did he come from? And I would rewind it, and I, I'm like... And we'll, we'll talk about that. We'll talk about that multidimensional stuff in a minute, because you're talking about Stevie Richards, but that's well, a different thing. Stuff like that is, yeah, it's ex- I think it's exciting. If I was a teenager watching it, I'd be like, hell yeah, this is nonstop action. But it would get tiresome, and especially if it was the same guys every week. And if it wasn't, and it, it was like like so this week, the guys involved are the pit bulls and the um, and the public uh, enemy, public enemy tra- and Stevie Richards transitions to Raven, Stevie Richards and Tommy Dreamer transitions to um, well that was it. That's what it transitioned to, and, and the beginning was cactus. So if next week it's the Eliminators and the Dudleys, and it's 
Terry Funk and Cactus Jack actually having a match, and then the beginning is a recap of Tommy Dreamer and Raven, it's just it's going to look scripted that way. You know what I mean? Like, it will get old if different wrestlers are doing the exact same thing a week after the other guys did. So I think it's a change of pace. Great episode. And again, this is the first episode that I've ever watched that you've had me watch where it wasn't, like, structured. Because it wasn't, there was no fucking structure to it at all. This is, again, this is the beauty. And to me, this this is where a lot of ECW fans miss this. Because this is, this is what Paul Heyman was the evil genius at. Because, I guess because, you're right. I was, I was a teenager. This is 1995. I'm 18, 19 years old, enjoying this. I'm enjoying this breath of fresh air because, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, in 1995, you know, again, let's see, Diesel is the heavyweight champion on one end or Bret Hart is the champion in WWF. It's structured. You just said it. So I know what I'm going to see. Who is going to challenge Diesel? Who's going to challenge Bret Hart? On the other side, let's not talk about WCW in 1995. Hulk Hogan against the Dungeon of Doom. <laughs> that was a structured clusterfuck. And you already, like, you know, talked about the giant saying, you know, choking him out and then said, I can't wait to choke you out. That's how Right. So that's how stupid it was. So this is a breath of fresh air, Reflectionites, and I think a lot of Reflectionites will agree with me on this, that it, you're right. You have to pay attention to a little bit of, of nuance to it because it's like a lot of Easter eggs to see this. And again, I don't want to. I don't. I know you're going to the the thing we're going to talk about in a second, but I have to go back to the Shane Douglas, Sandman, and Cactus Jack dichotomy, if you will. Those three guys were doing this every week. Like I said, Cactus Jack was you know challenging Sandman for the ECW Heavyweight Title, and then there was one part of this where Shane Douglas is the referee in one of those matches. He cost yep. Cactus yep. Jack. He disqualified him. Yep. He disqualified him. And again, the conundrum was that these two guys were supposedly best friends, the brotherhood. Cactus Jack even congratulated Shane Douglas the night he won the NWA World Heavyweight title, and then he dropped it on the floor and said, I'm the ECW champion. All that shit just brought itself together. You know, I always see this on the PWS Facebook fan page or social media, TW. Long-term storytelling. So I was invested, and that's why I said it was so intriguing. Now let's get to the other hyperbole to close out this PWR episode because this was a short kind of show because it was condensed to two multi multiverse angles. The second part coincides with actually, TW, you might be wrong. You're kind of half wrong on this because the match itself is a hyperbole to other people's uh, angles other feuds the the match we're going to talk about uh, reflection nights is the pitbulls and the public enemy for the ecw tag team championships are they both yep. gone huh both pitbulls gone they're both dead yes jesus man that means all four of them fucking guys in this match are dead yes they are uh now you almost made me lose my straight thought but anyway <laughs> tw now that match is not the feud that's not the angle really it's part of an Easter egg. The The real few in this match is actually two people that are not fighting. It's Tommy Dreamer and Raven. Right. These are bits and pieces of, a, of one of the best feuds in wrestling lore. And this is proof positive that an ECW Tag Team Championship is an Easter egg to a, to a higher angle, TW. But let's talk about the match itself. It's for the ECW Tag Team Championships. 
the public enemy are ECW Tag Team Champions at this time. They came in, you know, we, we know the story, TW. Well, if reflection, I still know. Rocco Rock and Johnny Grunge were trugging along in the indie, indie scene. They were trugging along in Japan. Paul Heyman discovered them. They both weren't tag teams. They were not a tag team together. They were just singles competitors. It was like the Rock and Roll Express kind of experiment. Paul Heyman put them together like they had some matches. He saw there was chemistry. He Paul Heyman said, let's put them together, see if they can be a good tag team. And lo and behold, like you keep saying, TW, right place, right organization, right time. The public enemy, who were in the beginning one of the most vicious villains of ECW, when you saw this match coming, everybody's waving their hands in the air like they just don't care, and the music was popping. They were the, you know, white boy vanilla ice. They were the mm-hmm. bushwhackers of ECW. I am not going to co-sign that. <laughs> that's on you. That's your opinion. I'm not going to do that because I love the public enemy, the public enema, if you will, the ECW public enema. I hated the WCW public enema. But again, the WWF one, you know, I understood the politics and I understood like the, uh, the let's just say the, uh, the traditions. They fucked up. But that's neither here nor there, TW. Mm-hmm. Found my picture. Oh, Dean okay, Douglas was not the. I was wrong. He was not the sixth most hated guy at the time. He was they, the second. Second. Behind only Kevin Sullivan. Jesus Christ. Well, I guess because of the Dungeon number of Doom. Number three was Ric Flair. The, number four was Davy Boy. I don't. I think he's too high on that one. I don't care what he did with Shawn Michaels. That just was stupid. But anyway, TW. TW. Mm-hmm. The this was an ECW Tag Team Championship. But there was a hook to it. This was a dog. What was it? A dog collar match. Yeah. The pit bull. It was kind of cool because mm-hmm. two guys just instead of all four chained together, which would be a, an AEW clusterfuck, you had just two guys paired off the whole time. It was right. a good match. Oh, so you, you actually like this clusterfuck of a match? They did some crazy but, shit. But before we even talk about the match, because the match actually went on for like 15 minutes, you wanted to talk about Stevie Richards, who is another piece of... They resistance to a few that's even bigger than him. Now, Dan, well, this is dancing Stevie Richards. And if, you know, for all the Hamenites, Stevie Richards, you hear him on the horse, the conspiracy horseman. You hear him on the locker rooms. Of course, I love Stevie Richards, the ECW Stevie Richards, the BWO Stevie Richards. You know, again, I'm biased, TW. But like you said, you saw Stevie Richards, you know, in 1995, TW, he was the lackey to Raven. Here, he's representing the pe- the Pitbulls. Supposedly, he's kind of like this Bobby Heenan ex-manager, which he wasn't. He was a doofus. He was a goofball. All this stuff. He was he's Johnny there. Polo. He's Johnny. Well, there you go. That's a good thing. He's Johnny <laughs> Polo for ECW purposes. So what say you about – you wanted to talk about Stevie Richards, so go ahead. Your diatribe of Stevie Richards. What it you never, in this never match. Like, like, he called his move the Stevie kick or the sweet Stevie kick. He did mm-hmm. the fucking most piss poor Shawn Michaels Elvis pose I've ever seen in my life. Um, but he was supposed to do that. He was supposed I to do that never, to piss you off. I've never seen him with blonde hair. He is straight up looks like Shawn Michaels and the Rockers when they first got to WWF. The mullet. He looks like Leaf Cassidy. That's what he right? looks like. Well, yeah, that's mm-hmm. that's Al Snow, by the way. That's another ECW guy. Of course. Well, we were cracking up when he got that gimmick. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, but, so he. And I've always liked Stevie, by the way. I, 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 first of all, I hated the right to censor, but I liked everybody that was in it 
right? Like, mm-hmm. I like Mike Rotunda. I hated the IRS gimmick, but it's part of their whole. So, you know, it, and if make IRS lemonade, is an Make example, lemonade out of lemons, like you always if say. If IRS so. isn't an example of a guy making lemons out of lemonade or lemonades out of lemon, nothing is. But Stevie Richards, you know, he's a guy's usually got nothing nice to say about WWE, but he he was there for a while and he did some stuff there, you know, might not have been world champion, but, and he was tiny when he was in ECW. Like mm-hmm. he put on weight before finally, you know, becoming right to censor and whatever he did. Was he with the oddities? No, that was the ICP. Right. But I, I mean, it was the Jackal, which is whatever. Dude, is that Cyrus. guy anymore? Yeah. Don Callis was in the in the in the oddities. Who? Don Callis. I haven't seen him on Impact or AEW. He's behind the scenes in AEW. Oh, he's so he's done with Impact. Yeah, he's been. He, he already that contract went was already expired. Him, him and Scott got signed together as co whatever the hell. Now it's just Scott. Yeah. So yeah. let's say now let's talk about this match, this dog collar match here, TW, be, between the Pitbulls, Gary Wolf. Well, Pitbull 1, Pitbull 2. I forget the other guy's name, but Gary Wolf. I always know Gary Wolf because he died first. But, again, TW, the ambiance of the ECW arena, this is a dog collar match. But, TW, you know, for yourself, you you would say that this is too violent or this is, like, this is garbage indie backyard wrestling or am I putting words in your mouth? What say you about this particular match? Because you actually said you liked it or you liked the booking or you liked the way the presentation because sometimes I, this is this is a literal clusterfuck in front of your very eyes. But it was it was again not my cup of tea. I have a soft spot for Rocco Rock. I don't know why. I think he died before Johnny Grunge. But like Rocco Rock probably reminds me of people I grew up in the neighborhood with, and just you know like older dudes that you looked up to, whatever. And and mm-hmm. and, and like when I was watching this match, I'll be honest with you, I, I looked at both of them and I thought, man. I'll bet wrestling saved those two guys' life. Maybe not so much Johnny Grunge. He looks like he might have grew up in the suburb somewhere and just lived the gimmick when he got it. But Rocco Rock looks like he straight up came from nothing, right, and just made it right. to where he made it. And I just have a soft spot for the guy. And and when when he wrestled, like, like again, I was always a WWE guy, but I watched WCW. And so when when they went there, I was happy for him there, you know. And then... When they made it to WWF, albeit not very long, I was happy for them there. And but they're not two people that I would ever think that if we weren't doing the show, I would never realize how much I did like them. Does that make sense? Like, mm-hmm. but but and then the, I don't know shit about the Pitbulls, right? Other than they're both gone. Um, and as a matter of fact, the bald one is wrestling with Rocco, and they're beating each other with that frying pan, and he just blatantly cutting himself with the razor blade, but he's hitting him on the other side. And he's cutting this side. I'm like, come on, you're better than that. But the other guy I forgot was a long hair guy. I thought the other guy was Saturn. So the whole time. And so he finally, Johnny Grunge picked him up and I see the perm and I'm like, Oh mm-hmm. shit, that's right. This is Saturn's part of the eliminators with the other guy. Um, right. That guy's gone too, right? Got uh, Cronus. Yeah. Leg. Cronus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just, and, and they did a dangerous spot where they had that um, table across the ropes in the corner, and then mm-hmm. the bald one did the – he did, like, Davy Boy's power slam off it. And I, 
Brock was about this far from his right arm being Drew Brees underneath him because of the way they landed because it, it was dangerous. But Rocco did that moonsault with the dog collar on, and I thought, well, this is either going to go well or that chain's going to redirect him when he's in the middle of the air. But it went well. And it just I just feel like, obviously, at this point, I know what ECW is, so it's not going to oh. bother me like it would have 30 years the, ago. The guy with the perm is Gary Wolf. Yeah, and the uh, the ball headed guy is Anthony Durante. I just wanted to get that okay. out there for the people. See, I thought the ball one was Wolf. So, no. uh, but yeah, so but they just more so. I like. I feel like the camera was on Rocco and Anthony more than it was on the other two. But it it was well. To be fair, I'm just answering your question because Rocco Rock, for public enemy purposes, was the guy who was going to take the bumps more. Johnny Grunge was the guy that brought the heat. He always got the hot tag and all that stuff. So right, I want right. to give you a little credence to why maybe you saw a lot more of Rock and Rock TV time because Rock and Rock, for ECW purposes, Reflectionites, in my opinion, you know, not not the WCW stuff you saw, but he sold a lot here. And when they were the good guys, you know, fighting the pit bulls, fighting the gangsters, fighting the eliminators, Rock, you needed somebody to take all that heat on you. So Rock and Rock took the brunt of it. So go ahead, T.W., I'm sorry. Well, you always want the smaller guy to do the hot tag because he's going to be the one coming in like a house of fire. Whereas, you know, to this day, when I watch tag teams, like Luchasaurus shouldn't be the hot tag. Jungle Boy should, right? Because you turn into a pinball when you come in off the hot tag. Uh, so end of the day. But I, I, I just really like the match. I think, it, again, to this day, since it's the first one I ever saw, I've never seen a tag team dog collar match where just two guys were paired off with two guys. And and the ending was a double pin. I still don't know who fucking was declared winner. Um, because well, I will explain Stevie that Rich to you. Aaron, you know, and, a pit bull uh, covered a, a public enemy, and then a public enemy guy covered a pit bull, but it was the referee's angle to where he was doing the three count. So initially, it was a double pin. Bill Alfonso, again, another Easter egg within this uh, show, Reflectionites, comes in to try to reverse the decision because the ECW referee, I think it was John Finnegan, was going to award the match to the public enemy because that's where he was initially. That was his angle. He was looking at the public enemy pin. He wasn't looking at the other pin. Bill Alfonso was in the back saying, no, 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 we're not going to do this. It was a double pin. We're going to restart the match. John Finnegan said, fuck you, Bill. I'm the I'm the senior official. They're about to fight. That was the always the funny thing because Bill Alfonso brought a lot of heat to himself and people and I just love the ECW arena crowd. They just when you saw Bill Alfonso TW, all we just knew that's WWF guy. That's a that's a corporate uh, lackey guy. That's a, that's a guy that does not fit the ECW mold. And how wrong we were. He was so part of the ECW mold. That's how much we valued. That's how much of a value that he brought. He, to this. He's one of the old WWE Madison Square Garden referees that wrestled with the blue shirt and the bow tie. Yeah, and he re- and he refereed those Tampa uh, uh, matches for the NWA. He was the the referee for the infamous Luger Brody match. So oh, yeah. fun fact there. So it was initially a double pin, then Public Enemy won, then Bill changed it. Then John Finnegan said, fuck you. And then Public Enemy did win the match. And they were supposed to get five minutes against Stevie Richards. Now, this is where I would say even I can't defend this because it just doesn't, doesn't look right. That you get – it's a two-on-one to beat up Stevie Richards. Now, again, TW, I get 
we would have to watch weeks and weeks of ECW hardcore television to know what Stevie Richards did to the public enema. But to me, even for all that pay for that payoff, right, TW? Two on one to a doofus or a lackey, I don't I, I don't feel like I, I get I gain anything as a fan. What say you, TW, about that? Well, I mean Maybe that, the optics to that, me just that, doesn't look right. Well, First of all, it's not going to make Stevie Richards look good because he's a wrestler, right? Two guys mm-hmm. beating the shit out of Bobby Heenan, the, the basic logic is it's comeuppance. Like, Bobby Heenan's finally got what he deserved, right? Whereas Stevie Richards getting beat up by two guys is like, it, it just looks like he's being made someone's prison bitch. You know what I mean? Like, right. he should be mad and want one-on-one matches with these guys afterwards. So the whole coward wrestlers, that's... You can do that with a tag team, and basically that's what he is. He's the third guy with the pit bulls, and he's the coward, but he can also lay in offense or whatever. So, yeah, I don't like that stipulation at all because if we're being honest, especially in today's culture, two guys beating the shit out of Bobby Heenan is bullying. I mean, like, two guys beating the shit out of this guy who can't defend himself, why do you need both of them to do it? Just let one guy get five minutes. One guy get two and a half minutes, but why the handicap? Right, you know, right. It just, it just, the optics to me just doesn't look right. But they kind of fixed it here because Raven comes from the locker room to save Stevie Richards, and of course, him, Stevie, and the Pitbulls. It's four on two. It's the way it's supposed. That's the way the optics is supposed to look. But do you know what? Wait, 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 wait. Hold on. Go ahead. What? Reflectionites. Again, I keep telling you, there's. It's the multiverse of angles. Because Raven's out there, who's got to come out there but the innovator of violence, Tommy Dreamer. And this is before he wears the tracksuit pants because he was still trying to be the wrestler, T.W. In case he was like, what the fuck is Tommy Dreamer wearing? He never wore that in his career. Yes, he did. He wore the spandex uh, wrestling tights. He did that at one time. But he was always wearing that. The and, of course, another caveat to enhance this feud between Tommy Dreamer and Raven was Luna Vachon who hated the snot out of Stevie Richards, and he and she got her revenge on Stevie Richards. And, of course, Tommy Dreamer got his revenge on Beulah McGillicuddy. I just wanted to put all that together. So, T.W., I'm sorry I interrupted you, but I wanted to explain to the Reflectionites what was going on with this parallel universe of angles. I know you might have been confused, but I'm trying to explain it as best I can. I interrupt you way more than you interrupt me. You ain't got nothing to apologize for. But, um, but I think the better... The better uh, stipulation, if you're, if the whole point is to embarrass and humiliate the the lackey, mm-hmm. it's not by him getting his ass beat by two guys who could do it by themselves. It's the weasel in the cage match. So them winning the next time they fought, Stevie Richards, which by the way would have been better if it was a non-title. Public Enemy was chasing for the belts. Now the next mm-hmm. time they fight, it's for the belts, and Stevie Richards is suspended in the ring in a cage. That's right. that's where you. Get your comeuppance. Now you're, first of all, we banned you from Reside. You still ran out. And then you interfere in this. So now you're in the cage. You can't get out. They did it to Jim Cornette. They did it to Bobby Heenan. They did it probably to Jimmy Hart. They probably did it to Flassy. All these guys had it done. And it makes the audience point at them and laugh because they're just on display. It's like being in the dunk tank, right? Everybody's making fun of you. You getting your ass kicked? You know, because remember back in the day, Hulk Hogan would get five minutes with Bobby Heenan. Warrior got five minutes with him in a weasel suit. He was actually in Mm -hmm. the match. It was rude and, and Heenan, and if he lost, he got put in a weasel suit, and then he, the warrior whooped his ass. You almost come off feeling sorry for fucking Bobby Heenan. 
right? So, right. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I, the seeing one helpless. The dude, optics just didn't look right for the lackey part, and that's why I just said Paul Heyman tried to keep the traditions of of a formula with the lackey getting beat up by the good right. guys. I get that. You think but, the fans want to see it, and they do. <laughs> Let's be honest. Like, let, let, let's put this in layman's terms for the Reflection Nights TW. Let's say if the Rock and Roll Express was fighting the, the Four Horsemen, Ricky Morton would have been chosen to have five minutes with who? James J. Okay. Dillon. Robert Gibson oh, would have been okay. on the side okay. cheering along and all that stuff, and the, the ladies would have popped for, you know, Ricky Morton getting his revenge on the Horsemen and the representative, which would have been James J. Dillon. That's how it worked. That's the optics that I like. That's the optics I can accept. I couldn't accept the two-on-one handicap match for Stevie Richards, even though he deserved it, storyline purposes. But again, that was that wasn't the uh, the storyline. The storyline was Dreamer and Raven. So, that, like I said, TW, you had to pay attention because that was the A-list rivalry. But then you have these bit parts, and of course, Tommy Dreamer has Luna Vershawn on his side, Stevie Richards on the other side, and again within the summer of '95, TW it would be Tommy Dreamer and Luna Vachon versus Raven and Richards. So I'm just trying to give you a little bit of a, of a future storyline in the works. So let's say, UTW, let's put a bow on this whole episode, the multiverse episode of Extreme Championship Wrestling. Uh, it, it was chaotic, but I understood all of it. And I recognized everybody. So in nostalgic purposes, it's it's worth a watch. Like I've said on here before, I watch this so you don't have to. This is something I would watch, especially if you're somebody who's who's like me, who is familiar with ECW but didn't watch it. And thanks to guys like you, Professor, you point me in the right direction. You've never really made us watch a shitty ECW one. Not that I think you think there are any, but I'm sure there's no, the, shit, the shitty ones are WWE ECWs. I will never will let you watch that. But if they don't count. They don't count in this discussion. So yes. we're talking Paul Heyman's ECW. Um, I'm sure there's at least one or two gimmicks or, or storylines that you were like, eh, you know what I mean? So, um, but yeah, I ECW for what it's worth, they were the little engine they could until they couldn't. Of course. But, they, they were around a lot longer than most people would have given them credit for, especially the fact that nobody got paid. Um, but for all their troubles, they created people. I mean, Raven wasn't sh- – Raven's the rare example of someone who was in WCW and WWF and still wasn't shit and then became shit when he was – ECW made him by letting him be himself. Uh, Tommy Dreamer's absolutely created there, at least East Coast, and he they gave him his spot. You know, they gave Taz their spots. Sabu got his spot. Um, They were ahead of their time, for sure. I think of ECW as is, just like it is. Obviously, there's some shit they'd have to change. But if they started today with the same roster, the same passion, A, people would have got paid because, B, they would have been a success. And so I I think... They got a streaming deal. That's for damn sure. (laughs) Right, 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 right. Yeah, So, so I think... This episode is a nice little ep- – and it's only 39 minutes. I wanted to text you thank you right away, but I didn't want you to know I was watching so late. But um, mm-hmm. this is a nice little episode to see what they had, you know. I, I think Shane Douglas was here, and ECW put him here, right? Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, again, sometimes people are hard to work with. I think Shane falls into that category, be it – Ego, be it um, believing in yourself when you think other people don't. I think fucking with Ric Flair held him back because I think more people took Flair's side than his. 
Um, Absolutely. Much the That's same, what you do. Much the same as Honky Tonk Man messing with Jerry Lawler, um, even though he openly admitted almost every time he did it, I'm just using this internet to create the first ever internet wrestling angle. Like, well, that's how it comes across. It comes across like you're shitting on the hand that fed you, your cousin, right? So, like, if it wasn't for Lawler... Every, everybody uses... They, they need a hook. That's what it is. So, that no, was his hook. But Did I, it work? No, it I didn't. Douglas has came off as legit hatred for Ric Flair. Mm-hmm. And yeah. they're cool now. I've, I've read that, that they're cool now. And that's good. Um, but... I think, I think it, the word's not cool. The word is cordial. Kosher. Kosher. Um, no, that, that I, too. I, I think, again, you didn't ask me this, but my favorite guy from ECW would hands down be Shane Douglas. I mean, of course. be it the UWF, be it I didn't hate Dean Douglas. I hated that they fucking looked like the genius got his gear stolen. But Well, you enlightened me that he was the number two hated guy in PWI. I don't agree with that. I'm sorry. I just don't. I just, I just, I, I, I wish Shane Douglas would have gotten more, you know, and, but. I would say this, and, and this is going on a different diatribe. The number two hated man to me, I would have took Shane Douglas out for the purpose of 96. Maybe because this is PWI, right? Yeah. Because that, that, that year to year shit is kind of weird. But this Gold wasn't of the year. It wasn't of the year. It was that oh. month. Okay. Goldust should have been number two. That was right, but that? this was that month. It wasn't the oh, year. Okay. No, it wasn't oh, okay. Month. Then it should have been Goldust, hands yeah. down. That's that's but what it I was just when, to say that. It was when Hogan was feuding with the Dungeon of Doom because number yeah. one's Kevin Sullivan, number mm-hmm. two's Dean Douglas, okay. and then number one most popular Sean, number two most popular is Hogan, and then Sting. Um, but but I would say Tommy Dreamer, who I'm pulling a Nate Matson, he's somebody I've met over and over again through the years. Probably wouldn't recognize me in a fucking crowd, but he's never been anything but nice to me. I think that mm-hmm. guy eats, drinks, sleeps, and breathes wrestling. Um, Absolutely. I just does. actually found out the other day from my buddy Jeb that I guess he came from money, right? So he's doing it for the love of it, right? Like, because I asked Jeb, I go, you think he ever regrets walking away from WWE because he's still wrestling? Like, you still see him do shit on Impact. He works in the backstage area, but I'm sure he made more money doing it in WWE, but he said, Tommy, he don't need money. That guy, like, I think his dad died or someone died and he got more money. Or his wife, his wife, Beulah or Francine, one of them. Beulah. Uh, Beulah. So I think she also had it. So, but Tommy Dreamer is a perfect situation of a guy. He probably didn't give a shit that Paulie's checks bounced because he lived for it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Same thing with Raven. I would say the same for Raven. The guy came from Portland, damn it. So um, I just... Again, I've said this to you before. I wish I would have gave ECW uh, a better look back then. Uh, especially, and that's why I give you these I episodes. I would have tried to work for them had I known some of the stuff I know now. Because all I knew was they were going through fucking tables and coming off balconies and landing on thumbtacks. I had no interest in that whatsoever. This scar here is new. But this mm-hmm. this bald head used to have beautiful hair and no face hair. I was a beautiful son of a bitch. I didn't want to scar it all up with thumbtacks and fucking balcony dives um, and tables. But- I'll, I'll put I'll put a bow on this, T.W. Look look at the cast of characters you saw here. You had technical wrestlers like Dean Maleko make an appearance. A technical wrestler like the crippler Chris Benoit. Of course, your affinity for franchise Shane Douglas, another technical wrestler. They don't really do a lot of shit hardcore styles. Right. Then you see a little bit of the... Tommy Dreamers, you see the Ravens, you see the T, you see the Public Enemy ha- having the entertainment shtick. So there's there's a variety in ECW for everybody to digest. And with that being said, we close 
on this episodic episode of Extreme Championship Wrestling. And again, happy 4th of July weekend. Of course, we're recording this way early. And of course, the next time we do the PWR podcast, it will be part three of TW's Diatribe. He will give you his in-depth... I will, like, cast aside at least... Well, I'm going to be nice. I don't want to do, like, 20 or 30 minutes. I need to give you, like, 8 to 12 good minutes of you and AEWs. Oh, you're... You always give us the days off, but I was thinking to myself, next mm-hmm. Tuesday is the 5th of July. Right. That's the holiday weekend. We should probably skip a week. We should probably, probably give that week, Ray, a week off. Uh, okay. But, yeah, you'll be too drunk. You're already going to be passed out drunk. You'll be drinking so, on Tuesday. I'm going back give to Give us, in two weeks, Reflection Nights, the part three of TW's experience. His AEW experience because he's going to be too drunk for for the the official Fourth of July weekend. So yes, I will do that in two I, weeks. I want to say this: if something okay. tremendous happens tomorrow, let's still do the show Tuesday, right? You got to let me know that, so we'll no, see. We'll know because it's tomorrow, bro. So it's, <laughs> we're going to know. And if it's just garbage, then we won't. You know, even okay. if we just do a twenty-minute AEW tirade, first ever tirade episode for 30 minutes so people can recuperate from the 4th of July. Well, stay tuned, Reflection Nights, stay tuned. But the next PWR episode within the uh, AEW diatribe over his reporting of AEW, we're going to go to the boobies. I'm going to give you a little bit of an easy one. We are going to pay homage to 1999 TW where everybody was fawning. Episode one? No, no, no. We are going to do Universal Soldier The Return featuring Bill Goldberg. His debut in Hollywood with himself, Dolph Lundgren, and Jean-Claude Van Damme. That's Who was your the first former... Universal Soldier? Hmm? No, this is Jean-Claude Van Damme's... Uh... Oh, who was the first Universal Soldier? Jean-Claude Van Damme. That was his movie. Okay, so this was a sequel down the way. Well, I don't yeah, know what it's called. It was already 23 years ago? Yes. <laughs> so that's your homework assignment. you got to watch Universal Soldier The Return featuring Bill Goldberg. This was his big debut. This was a this was WCW <laughs> going crossover. Oracle on his eye. Or yes. Is it blue? Yeah. Something right. like that. But neither here nor there. But that's your homework assignment. We're going back to the movies. Universal Soldier The Return. So, T.W., give out those socials so we can officially get out of here and enjoy our 4th of July weekend. All righty, then. Pro Wrestling Coalition Network is at pwcnetwork at podbean.com. Yeah, put these on for this. Come on. This is airing on the 4th of July weekend. Uh, our show is at PW Reflection. Um, Big Ray, we can't do it without that guy. Also, he told me last week we made him cry. Uh, but we meant every word, Big Ray. Uh, at Big Ray Hernandez. Um, then you have Big Vito Brand. He, they can be found because it's more than him and his wife uh, and their whole group. Uh, BigVitoBrand.Wixsite.com or Patreon.com backslash the Big Vito Brand. Um, and then you got me and all my stuff. I got at TommyWonder19 for Instagram. Uh, for uh, TikTok. Tick, no. The Twitter, the first Twitter, oh. the one I argue with everybody on, uh, and it's my Instagram. It's both. It's it's mm-hmm. Instagram and my original Twitter. Then you got at the Tommy Wonder, which is my TikTok and the other Twitter that I use mm-hmm. for the show. Snapchat is number Wonder. Facebook.com backslash 
Tommy Wonder. And then Dum Dum Duel and an Idiot. We almost recorded one last night, but we had no products to test. Um, I, I did talk the two Dum Dums into doing the tortilla slap, where you put the water in your mouth and slap the other one after a game of paper, rock, and scissors. By the way, and you, uh, Reflection Nights, females, if you live somewhere in the Metro Detroit area, I'll do it with you. Let's do it. If you're listening to this show, you can be on the Dum Dum Duo or my TikTok, wherever you want to do it. We will slap each other with mouthfuls of water after a game of paper, rock, scissors. But I would like to do that with someone. But anyways, Dum Dum Duo, we're going to do something. We're going to do... Uh, Hot Ones Pringles, but uh, Matt's fat and he ate them before we had a chance to record it. So I did eat a piece of spiced uh, beef jerky in the bar a week ago. Yes, tomorrow, a week ago, no, a week ago, Thursday. I told him absolutely not, but I watched everybody in the bar eating it, kind of just looked puzzled. So I mm-hmm. finally said, fine, and I bit a piece. Immediately regret, rejected, or re- regretted it. However, it didn't burn for 10 more minutes, and that's why everybody looked indifferent because it was a slow burn that did not hit me for 10 minutes. And but that's not that's not good for like the for video, video purposes. Yeah, it's not good for video. It's like the gummy bear. Unless you edit it perfectly, that's what it is. You got to do that TikTok editing or whatever. Right, 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 right. Yeah. So, but that's it. And now you got your stuff. And, of course, you can find me on my Twitter at PWSOPROF. That's PWSOPROF. And if this gets uploaded on the YouTube, you can find this on the PWSO Networks. Of course, follow my brothers in arms, Billy Ray Valentine, the man with the documents. He already knew about Roe v. Wade, but he also there's more documents on top of that leak. <laughs> yeah, he had, the, he had the document leak already. So, But he, all, he also has the co-conspirators. They were both on the Republican side and the Democratic side doing the, working together to turn to overturn Roe v. Wade. So this is both of your parties, you know, Reflection Act sheeps, political sheeps. They were both here to double cross you, but he's got the documents at Obi-Wan, you know me. And of course, the king of the reactions, 8-Track Brown at 8-Track Daphne. And again, next time, we're going to the movies, Universal Soldier, The Return, featuring Bill Goldberg. And with that being said, I'm the professor. That's Mr. Dum Dum Duo and it's on the Iron Stomach one, Dr. Freaking start. Tommy wanted to say good night and happy Fourth of July weekend. Reflection nights and drink a lot of beer and you know, all praises to Mr. Inflation himself, Joe Biden. He, every hot dog is about five bucks worth, right? Tw. Watch that. Watch that pedal strap. Whatever the case may be. So see ya next time, Reflection nights. Peace.